Brad Rongiron. So it'll be fun. Schmidt Dua at Fear the Brown is the way to give a follow over on Twitter. He is, of course, the lead writer for Bourbon Street Shots. You've seen him on Boot Crew Media. You've seen him on Channel 6. You see him everywhere. Sir, how are you this afternoon, man? I'm doing well. The, enjoying this like beautiful weather that we got going on right now. It's not too hot, not too humid. Um, I'm doing well. How are you? Doing well, man. The Pels are doing well. Five wins in a row. I've been playing what Willie Green had to say yesterday after the game when he was asked why he thinks things are different. And... I want to ask you as well, but this is what he had to say, and he can comment. It's all coming together at the right time. Um, you know, we've we've gone through some some a bit of ups and downs, but Trey has been pretty consistent in his ability to step on the floor and help us on both ends of the floor. Um, we we got to keep it going. Bi Bi Jonas have been involved there in the offense. I know you've been somebody that's been very vocal about using these players the right way, rotations, things of that nature. What have they done in these five games that has changed in your mind? I think the biggest thing that they've done is they've started to play together as a team and to play with trust. I think prior to this, um, and you you can attribute this however you like, there's probably multiple factors involved. Prior to this, they were playing star-heavy ball. You know, A lot of burden was placed on Brandon Ingram. A lot of burden was placed on C.J., and everyone else was supposed to really just kind of get out of the way and, and get it when they could get it, but it, it was, the responsibility fell on the stars. And, and that kind of offensive system, you know, we've seen work with some players in the league, but generally speaking, you know, if you're not, if you don't have a bunch of top ten players on your team, it's really tough to, to pull together a consistent offense night in, night out. And now what they're starting to do is they've started to, bring back JV into the fray, right? Uh, they've started to up Trey Murphy's usage. He's taken more threes than ever. These are efficient basketball players that they're getting more shots to, and you're seeing Brandon Ingram's playmaking numbers like go through the roof because of it, and, and they've become more dynamic in, in, in how they're using the players as well. I can close my eyes and literally see a tweet, a game, of you either saying something what you just said along the lines of Trey Murphy's your best shooter, he has two attempts or no attempts in in the first half, or you saying, um, why do we have, you know, three or four non offensive guys in this lineup? Like you you've been saying this for a long, long time. It's just it's sensical, but hey, at least they figured out and and made that adjustment, right? Yeah, that's, that's huge. You know, it's not easy to make these adjustments in the middle of the year. It's not easy for people to set aside, you know, I guess their, their preconceptions of how the team's supposed to be. Um, like I said, it's a, it's a matter of trust, and it seems like there's a great deal of trust uh, amongst themselves right now. Uh, and it's, it's nice that the schedule has been relatively favorable, that you, you're allowed to make these adjustments against weaker opponents and see the results very, very immediately. And so that also helps build the trust. Obviously, if you're, you're, you know, you're making these adjustments and you're still losing games, that doesn't do anything for anyone. But now right. that they've, they've strung five in a row together, you know, they're playing with a great deal of confidence and they can carry that to the stronger opponents. You mentioned Jonas Valanciunas, man, and, and there was a stretch there where, where there was foul trouble, him taking way too many jump shots, them not just using right, whatever. It, it, it was a, call it a funk stage. My goodness, six of the last seven games doubled, um, double doubles, six in a row, 21 rebounds yesterday, two games ago, 19. Is it, is it just as simple as feeding him or is it 
maybe he was banged up. I mean, what, what, why the numbers change so much with him all of a sudden? <laughs> I've said trust a million times, and then I'll say it again. It's trust. It is feeding him. It is keeping him involved. It is keeping him engaged. If you look at the minutes that he's played, you know, he's averaging uh, just over 30 over these last six uh, the games. You know, he's had a couple games. He's had 35, 36, 37. Prior to that, you know, he was barely cracking 20, 25, and it's because the team was so fixated on, hey, we're just going to go small whenever we get an opportunity, especially when we close the game, regardless of how well JV's playing. And so he was deprioritized throughout the year, both from a minute standpoint and a usage and shot standpoint. And, and all of that sort of right. started to change. And, and now he has, you know, he has the touches. He has uh, the minutes. And he knows that, hey, if he keeps playing well, he's going to be allowed to stay on the court. And that does the wonders for a player's motivation. And you can see, like, you know, hey, he's playing with another pep in his step. He's going after things. He's engaged. So I, I think players want to feel wanted and they want to feel involved. And, and JV's, I think, feeling the love right now. I'm going to give Brandon Ingram 30 points last night. He had 29. He missed a, um, uh, you know, a technical free throw on a technical foul called on them. He didn't play the fourth quarter. So let's just say that would have been another 30 point game. Dude, he's been crushing it, right? He's got the Western Conference Player of the Week last year. But what are you seeing specifically on film or in usage or just his play that he looks like the all-star Brandon Ingram right now? Well, they've done a couple things. One, they've started to run more creative actions that involve their shooters, um, and that helps space out the floor for him. And, and it makes, you know, it makes it harder to double, makes it harder to wall up against them. Two, obviously when you're, when you're getting, uh, a guy like JV involved and a guy like Trey involved, you're playing inside out and, and that changes the dynamics of the, of the floor as well. JV's gonna draw a double team no matter what. And now if there's a kick out, you know, BI is gonna be able to get it against a broken defense against, uh, or instead of a set defense and that's pretty huge. And the third thing I've noticed is he's playing a lot faster. He's being, uh, more decisive, right? I think, Part of uh, the reason the offense struggled was because those other things weren't happening, yeah. and that made B.I. play more tentative, more survey the field, more let me dribble and figure out where my spot's going to be or what's going to shake loose, and, and that just bogged down the flow of the offense. And now, you know, they're they're playing the style that Willie Green's wanted to play for a while, which is point five basketball. That, that's a very good point because I was thinking when I was asking you that, I, I'm Closing my eyes and seeing the highlights of him driving to the basket. There were some plays, even in the game last night, where he's not even hesitating, right? The second there's a sliver, if somebody's not there to double, he's just going to lay it up off the basket. He's getting to the free throw line a lot, too. And that, that kind of leads to the point of what you're talking about, right? In Houston, he had 11. San Antonio had 10, then 9 against the Hornets. Five of the Clippers and then five yesterday, but that's the thing. He's attacking and that adds to what you're saying about his speed. And it's not, it's not the dribble, 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 one on the shot clock. Right. Exactly. And, and, you know, you're seeing that bear out in the shot selection a little bit too, because again, it, it's not one factor. It's, it's not like, Hey, Brandon Ingram all of a sudden decided to play differently. And it's not, um, you know, all of a sudden that. One player's just gotten better. It was a culmination of things, and and those things, you know, now we're seeing BIs having to take less of those contested fadeaway mid-range shots, right? Previously, like that's all he was really able to get to because the space was uh, was so poor, and the floor just like wasn't open for him. And now, if you're getting other players involved, 
teams right. have to respect that, you know? Like, if I know JV's going to touch the ball twice in the, in the half, like, why am I going to guard that guy, right? If I know Trey's not going to, like, shoot it um, if he's going to get, like, three touches, I'm really not going to guard that guy, right? You kind of live with those type of things. And now, all of a sudden, oh, JV's getting 18 shots, Trey's getting 16, 17 shots. Oh, people have to guard those guys, and, and, and the space is different. Speaking with Schmidt, do a lead writer for Bourbon Street Shots at Fear the Browns, the way to give a follow over on Twitter. So, look, the NBA is about matchups, and and when you look at a matchup like tonight, I I, I know it's easy to look at the Splash Brothers. It's easy to look at B.I. It's easy to look at C.J. Man, I think Jonas and Draymond. I I, I think because the last time they were there, you you saw it, Schmidt. He he was pulling down Billy Hernan Gomez. He was yapping in the officials' face most of the game. He he's such an intricate part of that team, emotion wise, but also facilitating wise, rebounding, dishing. I'd like to somehow see put him on the defensive or something, huh? How do you attack this team tonight? You know, that's a great question. There, the Warriors are a very very good home team, uh, terrible road team. Just cannot win on the road, but a very good home team, and. I think what scares me a little bit is I think they're going to start off with Draymond on Herb Jones. Uh, and, and they're just going to let Draymond roam free, stay in the paint, create all kinds of chaos. That's going to make those post touches for JV hard. It's going to make a lot of things difficult and it's going to be on the Pelicans to use Herb creatively. Um, kind of how like the Warriors use Draymond, right? The team, teams don't defend Draymond, but they have great shooters and, and he can set screens for those shooters and, and go into handoffs with those shooters and the three, if you're sagging off Draymond, that's an open three for, for Steph or Clay. And if the Pelicans are able to utilize CJ, BI, Trey, well, in conjunction with Herb there, um, to be creative with the spacing, then, you know, all of a sudden Draymond has to pick his poison and decide how much he can really help or not. But, um, I, I think, uh, you know, a few weeks ago, if you would have told me about this matchup, I would have been terrified. I, I, I would say the Pelicans don't have the offensive creativity to handle it. Um, now I'm very interested. You know, all of a sudden they're, they're, they're playing a different brand of basketball and, um, I want to see the, the adjustments that, that they make. And this is a team that the coaching staff is familiar with, you know, uh, Willie yeah. Green is from that coaching staff. Uh, uh, Jerron Collins from that coaching staff, and, and I think they have another assistant, uh, is Casey Hill from there too. But I'm, I'm not, I don't remember. But they, had, they also hired the analytics guy uh, from the Warriors. So there's a lot of there's a lot of overlap, um, and so they know what this team is like. You just got to execute. So the, if you if you don't turn the ball over, you have a good chance against the Warriors. But if you turn the ball over, you're dead. They're oh, you're dead. Yeah, they're so fast. I was making that point. Earlier today, you could be up seven and within 35 seconds, two missed shots in a, in a poor possession or a turnover, you could be down one and, and call like a timeout. Um, look, I, I want to be greedy. I'd love to get two more wins this week. I noticed three games. I think they match up and, and can play with Denver. I don't, you know, even though they're the number one seed, I, I don't feel sort of like even when I look at a matchup like this with the scoring and all of that. And, and I think they match up against the Clippers as we just saw this past Saturday. If I can steal two wins out of these next three games, then you don't have that many games after Saturday. I think you may be at least 10th. Like, I think it's a big week this week. You can somewhat take care of your stuff here. I think Saturday against the Clippers with a packed crowd, man, you you should be able to get that one, hopefully. But if you can get one of these next two and have a 3-1 and one West Coast swing, I think that's playoff clinching eventually. Absolutely. I mean, obviously every win counts, and I think um, 
not all wins here in this stretch are created equal. Yep. Uh, you know, I, I think winning against Golden State clinches the tiebreaker uh, mm-hmm. with them. If they don't win, it's, it's still up in the air with the, uh, I think it's a conference record, a division record, or something like that um, that will go down to. So winning this one, I think, is, is uh, a little bit more important in terms of the standings and in terms of tiebreakers because the Nuggets really aren't, uh, you know, you can't, you're not going to catch them in, in the standings at this point. But uh, winning against the Clippers is also going to be huge. That that's another team right there in the thick of like this very jumbled pack from four to twelve or thirteen or whatever right. many teams there are. Um, so so yeah, you're you're absolutely right. I think you know being able to steal one of these uh, is going to be big time. Obviously, any wins a win. Um, but if you know if I had to pick one, you know you win one, lose one, win tonight, steal that tiebreaker. Um, but yeah, I mean, look at this point, you just got to take every win you can get. Yeah, perfect timing to go on a five-game win streak. That's for sure. It uh, solidifies you a little bit more into where you're going to be in the mix here for the next, you know, seven games that are remaining. Six after tonight. Schmidt, do as always, man. Appreciate the time. Thank you for hopping on today, bud. Thanks, guys. Appreciate you. At Fear the Browns, the way to give him a follow over on Twitter. Got plenty Bell's content over there. Boot Crew Media, lead writer for Bourbon Street Shots. Folks over at Channel Six love him there as well. Got a lot. Go give him a follow. When we come back, Maddie Hudak, she, um, I, you know what, I'm going to ask her, what is it like to do stats for the crowd while he does call? She does a lot of other things as well, but I really want to know about that. Next, on Sports Hangover in ESPN New Orleans. Every piece of land has a story written by those who work it, but everyone's story is different. So the question is, how will you tell yours? Behind the wheel of a John Deere compact tractor, mower, or gator utility vehicle, run with us and start telling your story today. Visit Home Attractor today, your John Deere dealer where we don't crawfish when it comes to service. Energize your business with Bayou Black Electric Supply in Homa. When you're elbow deep in a job, the last thing you need is to lose time and money fetching electrical supplies. Bayou Black Electric will deliver your items to the job site. There's daily scheduled service throughout South Louisiana, Lafouche, Terrebonne, Morgan City, New Iberia, and Lafayette. Plus, the river parishes too. If you need parts, call Bayou Black Electric Supply. 985-223-8807. Highway 311 in Homa. Join us for the first ever Bullets and Balloon Festival, March 31st through April 1st. This festival is designed to share with the world our unique Bayou cuisine, our culture, and our heritage. Ten hot air balloons will take you to the skies over Bayou Lafouche. Enjoy food, drink, and games, plus local artisans selling handcrafted creations. Bullets and Balloons Fest in Oak Ridge Park in Golden Meadow. Come and experience the best of Lafouche while also helping our four-legged friends. Visit LouisianaTravel.com to plan your trip today. Lakeview Massage and Therapy is a must for recovery, getting rid of pesky pain, or to simply relax. It's part of Upper Cervical Family Chiropractic and Wellness, so this isn't a neon sign place. They have specialists performing work geared specifically to you. Rejuvenate with a 60, 90, or 120 minute session of Himalayan salt stone, injury and recovery, lymphatic detox, pre and postnatal, post mastectomy movement, traditional therapeutic massages, and ashiatsu. I've had that. You want to try it. Trust me. LakeviewMassageandTherapy.com for info where recovery meets relaxation. How can we be excited about a show where we just talk? Talk sports. That's how they talk in the major league. Now back to The Sports Hangover with Gus Kattengau. 
by Sharp. Now Trey drives in, double clutches and throws it down with two hands. Oh my heavens, he levitated. Just like that. That is the graph. Pelicans Radio Network, voice of your New Orleans Pelicans. Maddie Hudak, you can follow her on Twitter at Maddie Hudak underscore 94. Greenway football analyst for Next Gen. Oh my gosh, she's on Saints Wire and also has the privilege of filling in for Alden the King. Hagenin and stats occasionally for the graph. Maddie, we'll start there. First off, good afternoon. How are you? I'm good. I was just about to say, I'm not sure who was levitating, whoever <laughs> Graf is referring to, or right. Graf himself in the booth. There you go. That, that's why I'm asking. <laughs> what is it like to be a mere inches from Todd during the call in terms of, I'm thinking, you can't have a full beverage. Like, your water cap needs to be on. If it's a Coke can or something, I don't know if you're willing to put that on the table up there. Huh? What is it like to be that close in the first quarter, second possession? <laughs> you know, I will actually say I usually have an open soda can on there. Really? What impresses me about play-by-play announcers, especially if someone has a sideline reporter that can't contain myself, is you can hear it in their voice, but their body itself is relatively calm, and I've really never been able to reconcile how that's possible, but... There is a reason he's at the top of the top and uh, has the enthusiasm that Pelicans fans love and Greenway fans still love after uh, his 30 years there. So there's no table pounding. There's no, you know, wild elbows being thrown like Eric Gordon to the temple of Herb Jones or anything like that to you? Well, I mean, maybe when they didn't call a foul on Herb Jones when uh, uh, Ingram scored a triple-double the other week. But other than that, relatively measured. Oh, I know you can't wait to get back at there to Irita and check that out, man. What, what do you make of this five-game win streak from New Orleans? Listen, I had just gone on uh, Eric Asher's show earlier this week with Brooke Kirchhofer, and we were talking about how this team really just hasn't had any momentum since the beginning of the season, and different than last year, you know, they knew Zion wasn't coming back. All the chips were down. It was kind of the Cinderella story of a bunch of guys that came out of nowhere and no one had film on them. And that didn't really have the ability to repeat this year. I didn't realize how many games they had left when I said they needed to win out. But credit to the Pelicans. I don't really know what's changed, but they all just seem to be firing on all cylinders. And I think it speaks just to the psychology of sports and being able to see it for yourself. I think they might have lost the ability to kind of see the finish line. But now it's right back there in front of them. And this game night is really important, especially because... The Warriors, for some reason, decide to decline to play the Pelicans most times out of the year, but this this is a must-win for both of them because if New Orleans wins, they hold that tiebreaker, then maybe the Warriors are regretting sitting, staying, uh, playing staff for the millionth time against the Warriors. Yeah, no doubt about it. Good points. Good points for sure. Speak with Matty Hudak, also writes for Saints Wire, covers the Saints, and I want to move on there. I love the the phrase you just said, the psychology of sports, because it really applies to this in terms of fan-player relationship. When it comes to this player, Dennis Allen, this morning. Yeah, I don't want to get into specifics on that. Um, uh, but yet, look, he's making progress in the recovery. Um, he's not 100%. Um, and, and we're gonna, we're gonna be cautious with it. Um, and take our time and, and, um, you know, we don't really want to put him out there until he's 100%. Maddie, right on cue, the gifs, the memes went nuts. They, completely didn't listen to the follow-up question yeah i don't i i I expect him to be fully healthy and ready to go um when that point in time is i I don't want to get into those speculations but um but yeah we feel good about where he's at maddie how do you explain the relationship with a 
good majority, not every Saints fan, but a good majority of this fan base that just believe that he doesn't want to be here, play football, and the team should just move on from a number one receiver. So I'll, I'll use the example of Zion Williamson as really example A here. There was never any indication by Zion Williamson that he was interested in leaving New Orleans, and yet this idea kind of formulated last season that he was looking to be traded. Michael Thomas, I think people, I don't know if they never played competitive sports growing up or they just kind of forgot what that's like, but the idea that he's just kind of screwing around out there, I mean, he took a prove-it deal, basically. I think the way that Dennis Allen has handled this situation with Michael Thomas is one of his more impressive feats as a head coach to me because this relationship looked all but fried when, you know, he declined to get the surgery, he waited to get it, he didn't answer the same phone calls. Uh, and, and then he kind of unexpectedly missed that 2021 season. I always was worried about the ankle injury because high ankle sprains that take that long to recover from, it, it's it's going to all, almost always lead to secondary injuries. And I think that's what happens more often than not with these players. And there might not be this frank or candid discussion about what secondary injuries are. But when I got my high ankle sprain, I started to get bursitis, which is, you know, basically an inflamed hip because of the way I was walking. And so that makes sense to me in that aspect. But I understand the same perspective of we've heard this song before, but I think you're very right in that the secondary question, the first question sounded like classic coach speak, kind of very much how we're used to hearing about Saints injuries, but he very much said in no uncertain terms they expect him to be fully, fully healthy at the head of the season. And right. it's not as if we're all acting like, He's going to be, you know, the number one receiver that's going to be out there all season long. I think his contract implies that this is, again, it's a prove-it deal. It's an incentive deal, and I don't yeah. think they're going to rely on him as that top option. So I'll be curious to see. I mean, they added Brian Edwards, which is good chemistry for Derek Carr, but he's still healing. There's no need to rush it, and I, I think we should wait until training camp to see if, if there's really a problem because, I mean, for, for Gosh sakes, it's, it's March, and the season doesn't start until September. You could have an entire injury today and heal from that by the season. So the graph will tell you I like to play meteorologist and doctor on the show, Maddie. <laughs> and I Googled, you know, um, told this location surgery is a six-month healing. Hey, we're in month four. I mean, sorry. <laughs> yeah, and your toes are very <laughs> underrated injuries. It's the first point of contact. Right. Like they yeah. become a joke because, again, the Pelicans have had toe issues, and it kind of sounds funny, but you know, we're on crutches that had a broken toe in, in middle school. So, yeah, it, it's not an injury to rock. Like you said, it, it's very much in the middle of the recovery timetable. So well, maybe you, we all you, just relax. And you heard DA say, it's like, we're not going to rush it. I don't need him healthy right now. I leave him, you know. Right. Look, you, you analyze and, and you look at football usage, and, and that's the other element to this, too. You don't have anybody as good as him on the roster. I know Olave w- went well, and it's great that Rashid Shaheed can catch a deep ball every now and then. Stop. I mean, they're not number one receivers. I mean, like, you just don't. There is the door to a number one receiver. You know what I'm saying? And the other element to it, too, that I think kind of goes unnoticed or maybe just not seen, Matty, or people don't want to see it. This is the guy that called the quarterback that you signed to come. It wasn't vice versa. It's not Derek Carr convincing Michael Thomas. Derek Carr, his presser said, Michael Thomas called him. And I think that's an added element that people just don't get. 
that sounds like somebody that not only wants to play here, but wants to be successful and is happy that Carr is their quarterback. Yeah, that's why I made the Zion comparison because he all, he basically came out and said, you know, that offseason how much he wanted to be with this team, but Right. Uh, everything Michael Thomas has done, they restructured that deal basically to allow him to get cut and move on elsewhere. Uh, it wouldn't surprise me if they, you know, searched around the market and they really couldn't find a better suitor. But the fact that he signed that contract, the fact that he came out immediately and said, you know, praise Jesus on Twitter and has been so active in not just recruiting Derek Carr, but with Chris Olave and guys like that, all of his actions have shown that he wants to be here. If you went to a single day of training camp or saw any clip, you saw that Michael Thomas is still Michael Thomas and fully healthy, and he's a nightmare when he is. But he is such a competitive guy that the idea of him, and again, I get that it goes back to the delay of that surgery, but mm-hmm. injuries are way more complicated than the average fan is awarded insight on. And like high ankle sprains, torn ligaments, all that stuff, it can get messy, but everything he's done and said, and like you said, even behind the scenes at that, has really indicated that he wants to play for this team and is happy with the quarterback now under center. No doubt. We're going to go over some of the other uh, free agent acquisitions as we get closer to the draft here as well. We're going to have you come out to one of the Thursdays, Matting. Have fun with us. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know what? I'm just going to sit back and relax and watch you go with John Forque because that's going to be an interesting conversation because he thinks the Panthers are the best team in the NFC South. Anyway, uh, Saturday, Tulane had their spring game. We had Gary Smith on, and he briefly kind of told us his thoughts here about it as well. But you did their pro day. And obviously, coming off of a season last year, I, when I spoke to you before, thought this was an important spring. New coaches, continuing the momentum, all of that. So, with it all done and in the books, if I'm a Tulane fan listening right now, how do you want to describe what you saw this spring? I saw serious confidence and an earned confidence in a way that Yes, they all believed in each other last season, and there was this really powerful idea of believing in yourself when everyone quite honestly thought that they were nuts for saying conference championship. But they, at this point, are the expected conference favorites for a reason. Uh, the fact that Willie Fritz started spring camp extremely early this year, it was, it was several weeks before any other schools really got started. I think that shows how hungry they are for this next season. Because like you said, they lose those 11 guys from Pro Day, on top of a lot of other guys who did show up to the spring game, like Joey Claybrook at left tackle, for example. Uh, but Willie has always talked about building a football program, and to me that goes off of just what you see on the field. And the fact that there were fans there 45 minutes before the spring game started, wow. uh, I don't even remember if what? there was more than 5 or 10. Yeah, <laughs> and they were, they, were, they were in the hundreds. They were cheering. I, I was truly blown away. I never thought I'd see the day. The linebacker transfer that made an interception off his head, Tyler Grubbs, said after the game how he wanted to go somewhere where they're winners and they're looking at that ring. And I just want everyone that's followed Tulane for their life to stop and consider the impact of that statement by someone and someone that was really able to describe how gritty and the identity of this team just for being there for a few weeks. Um, I I brought this up on a few of my things with Tulane, but I just think the fact that Alex Bauman's tight end won after having four catches prior to the Cotton Bowl, he steps up in the final drive of that game and makes a 26-yard catch on 4th and 10 and the game-winning touchdown catch from Michael Pratt that he knew he caught. And I'll be honest, I didn't have that much faith in Alex Bauman prior to that game because we've really only seen him 
it was Southern Miss loss, but Michael Proxy also just defines mental toughness, the injuries he's played through, uh, the amount of coordinators, the fact that he didn't play football until ninth grade, transferred to a different high school a senior year after already getting into Tulane just to get more competition under his belt. Yeah. Uh, you lose generational talent in Sajay Spears, but I think we'll really kind of see the age of a really strong quarterback, and that's something we haven't seen at Tulane in an extremely long time. And then on the defensive side, to me, they're just getting more physical. They're hard-hitting at practice. I really like what Shil Wood brings in terms of energy and scheme and the players. Even the new players have such a cerebral understanding of what it is already. I I am really confident that that legacy from last season is really going to perpetuate, and we'll really have something to see out of this Tulane team this year looking to repeat and fairly at that. I'll add to what you just said about a player saying he wanted to go somewhere where, where there's a culture of winning. And, and to your point, what Gary Smith said, he thinks Tulane, and I'm sure you agree, they're going to be favorite to win the conference this year. We were going back and forth. I don't think they've ever been favorite to win anything in football before. So it gives you an idea. And I mean that respectfully, right? Because I mean, it, it, right. the tide is changing in the turn, but Maddie, you understand this for it to be a culture change for you to be known as a winning organization, a winning program, it has to be consistent. You did it one year. Can you come back and do it again? Can you do it with expectations? Can you overcome? Can you reload? That's what makes Bama Bama. That's why LSU's LSU and they fire coaches because they only win 11 games. I mean, that's to get to that level, you have to win more than once. Period. Absolutely. And especially with the conference realignments and everything, they really have an opportunity to solidify themselves as a top dog this year. And I just keep looking at that Ole Miss game, the second game of the season at Wilman Stadium. To me, that really is going to set the tone for this season. Because I think you saw a little bit of a revenge tour in some facets last year, like when they really played like men possessed against Tulsa after that double overtime loss the year of 2021, uh, the way that they finished the season out and, and bested UCF at that. And then, Michael Pratt immediately after the championship game said he couldn't wait to get another shot at Lincoln Riley. It's a super aggressive statement from a quarterback about another team's head coach, but Ole Miss is the game that really physically and mentally broke this team in 2021. And I really think that that is going to be such a game that's so emotional and so driven. But I think, again, the season, the way that it's set up, they really have an opportunity to capitalize early. And you're probably looking at that UTSA two-lane final home game yeah. as what might decide or be the first matchup of what are looking to be in the conference championship this year. And I think if Tulane reaches the conference championship two years in a row, they, they've accomplished a feat that hasn't been done in, in, in decades at Tulane. Yeah, no doubt about it. And I can hear it in your voice, Gary's voice as well, and the fact you said there was people there already beforehand. It, there's legit excitement. You know, not, not hope. Hope's different. Not, hope's not bad. Yeah. <laughs> I'd like hope. <laughs> but, um, now if we can just translate the Saints fans, um, that hope and that sense of excitement, <laughs> Maddie. So when we have you on again, help me <laughs> to get Saints fans a little more excited about it. Listen, they have a quarterback. They signed a fun running back and they took another defensive tackle from Andy Reid. And I really like how he dropped, uh, defensive linemen. So I think they're doing, a lot better at this time this season than they are last year and the year before that, if I'm being honest. There we go. We'll play exactly what Dennis Allen had to say about Colin Saunders to Maddie's point. It actually is something that we probably want to hear here as well uh, when we come back out of this break. Thank you, Maddie. Appreciate the time. Thank you. Yes. 
at Matty Hudak underscore nine four is the way to give a follow. When we come back, I'll play everything that Dennis Allen had to say this morning, not just about Michael Thomas, but the rest of the free agent acquisitions and especially Jamal Williams. I like this. If you're a Saints fan, as we go to break here, that may be cringed under the Sean Payton era with all those wins. Third and one. Fourth and goal, third and goal, second and first and goal from the one, and we are in a shotgun four receiver set instead of just handing the football off. Wait till I play what he had to say about Jamal Williams. I'll do that next on ESPN New Orleans. Following a natural disaster, it is imperative that insurance companies respond quickly for our communities begin to rebuild. Louisiana law requires prompt adjustment of claims as well as payment following a storm. If your insurance company failed to pay your claim within 30 days following inspection of your property, please call us at AMO Trial Lawyers, 985-446-3333. That's 985-446-3333. You may have an additional claim for recovery. AMO Trial Lawyers. Sorry, but we actually have a wait list for our Monstera. Shaw's greenhouse is really bringing in the green. We can't keep snake plants and stuff. She needs a construction manager to build on her roots and grow. We could add a whole section for ferns. And here we'd have dahlias, dahlias, and more dahlias. Indeed can help her hire great people fast. I need Indeed. Indeed you do. You can schedule and conduct virtual interviews all from your employer dashboard. Visit Indeed.com slash credit and get $75 towards your first sponsored job. Terms and conditions apply. Get in zone, AutoZone. Welcome to AutoZone. What are you working on today? So, you've got an oil change coming up. Consider STP Conventional High Mileage to save on motor oil for your everyday vehicle. Right now, you can get five quarts with an STP oil filter for only $26.99. Do the complete job for the right price. Get the parts you need when you need them at AutoZone or AutoZone.com. Restrictions apply. You want to feel important. You want to be a part of something bigger, something that matters and can help change things. You want to feel like you belong. We know. We felt that way too. And that's why we did something about it. We aren't just Army National Guard soldiers. We are normal people just like you. And together, we can make a difference. Take on your legacy. Visit NationalGuard.com to find out more. Sponsored by the Louisiana Army National Guard. Aired by the Louisiana Association of Broadcasters and this station. Oh, big talker, ain't it? The man that likes to talk. Now, back to the Sports Hangover with Gus Kattengill on ESPN 100.3 FM and ESPN 1003.com. Our thanks to Matty Hudak and also our thanks to Schmidt with this hour. Last hour, Gary Smith joined us. Back in hour number one, John Sigler and the Grab. Rest of the way is open to you guys, 800-998-1003. If you'd like to chime into the conversation, a couple of things to keep note of. Thursday we'll be at Francesca, Bike 80s, Deli and Pizzeria. It's also opening day, so Chef Scotty, I will be wearing my, my Cub stuff. All of it. Don't have pants, but yeah. We will, uh, we'll be, Decked out in Cubs gear for Thursday, opening day. So we'll have some fun on that. Uh, tomorrow will be at Upper Cervical Family Chiropractic. Don't forget, if you mention the show, you mention the name, you mention you heard it on here, Lakeview Massage and Therapy, Josh's Lake um, Massage Place. Wife went last week. I went last week. So I use it. $20 off your first massage if you just mention the name. That's a hookup. Thinking of Mother's Day, gift certificates. Um, 
So think about that as well. And uh, Pelicans letting me know that we will be over at Mid-City Yacht Club today for the game 8.30. And uh, also on Thursday, we will be at Wrong Iron for... They're having uh, watch parties and stuff, and so I'm going to be doing the pregame, halftime, and postgame show for the Pelicans Radio Network from there if you want to come hang out. Um, it's with Corona, so needless to say, there's going to be some goodies, some fun, and uh, you never know, I may throw a headset on you. Ah, probably not, but you know, <laughs> come out and have fun and watch the games. I know they're late tip-off, believe me. we got to be there. More than happy to, uh, to see you all out there as well, though. We were there with Pels 12 on Saturday, and that's the way to watch a game. I mean, it felt like I, we were, we were there. It was incredible. So see what happens. But again, if you want to check us out, they will officially start that party at 830 for that nine o'clock tip. So come on out. Pell squad. Pierre will be there. So if you've ever wanted to take a picture with the mascot, he will be there as well. All right. Back to what we were mentioning with, with DA. I wanted to go over some of these as quickly as possible. So I won't chat nearly as much. I'm just going to literally say, this is what he had to say on blah, blah, blah. Um, Jameis Winston, the signing. You know, quite honestly, when we signed Derek, I wasn't sure that that, that was going to be something that Jameis was going to want to do. And, and uh, uh, you know, there was communication between, you know, our side and, and, and his people, and it was something that he he was interested in, and, and we were certainly interested in having him back, and, and so I'm glad it worked out that way. All right, so... The other thing that he mentioned, too, was about Derek Carr and how he's helped with some of these players. Look, Brian Edwards yesterday said he didn't really speak to him about signing here. He did say, though, that he uh, knows what you have in him and, and what he brings uh, to the situation. And this was uh, the receiver yesterday, the new receiver for the pal I mean for the Saints. Honestly I didn't, you know, just kinda um know who he is as a person and, and know, you know, what you're gonna get out of him. I didn't really need to, you know. I kinda, you know, built up a relationship with him and and you know what you're gonna get out of Derek. You're gonna get somebody who works hard and who's uh you know willing to put himself out there and willing to lead. So I don't really need to talk to him much. All right. And as far as Brian Edwards goes what does he think he brings to his team, DA? We had a lot of really good grades on him coming out in the draft. Um, uh, and, and so we felt really good about that. We felt good about the relationship that he has with, with Derek. Um, I know when we played them out in, in Vegas in the 2020 season, um, I was impressed with some of the things that I saw in terms of a big physical you know, pass catcher. Um, and so... Yeah, I think he's he's a guy that that I think you know you you bring him in, you put him in the mix, and and uh, think he's got a chance to help us. So what I was saying is with with Derek Carr, has he helped kind of recruit a little bit here? And we've seen in some of these signings, Jonathan Abram uh, kind of mentioned it there as well too. That hey, look, you know, he's reached out. He was kind of part of the helping or figuring out process. And Da says, hey, look. He's a big part of this team. It's a big acquisition. Yeah, we, we're we're talking to him. Well, look, he's been in he's been in constant communication with uh, you know guys on our on our team, um, and and yeah, we've utilized him when we've when we've thought about um, you know bringing in a free agent player or somebody that he's had experience with. You know, we've utilized him in terms of just 
uh, you know, how do you feel about the player? Do you like him? How would he fit in? All that kind of good stuff. And so, um, yeah, he's been he's been good in that regard. Did he help, perhaps, in the signing of Michael Thomas? I think the acquisition of of, of Derek was was big, and in, in, in that uh, thought process, um, I don't want to speak for Mike, um, but uh, I also just think that you know, I I think Mike knows, and 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 a lot of our players know that that you know they work they work for one of the better organizations in our league, and and um, you know we're going to have a chance to to do some good things this year. So I mentioned running back in Jamal Williams and the physicality that he brings here as well, and uh, he touched on it here. He's got a physical run style, which I I think is something that that uh, uh, that we can use. Um, you know, obviously with with Alvin, we have a, a, a dynamic playmaker at that position, um, but yet I think I think we can use the the big physical bruising type running back and. and uh, he certainly proved he could do that down there in goal line situations and short yarded situations. So we're excited about the player. He was somebody that we really uh, thought highly of, and uh, uh, we're glad we got him. And he was asked, like, if he had reached out and done his homework with Lions personnel and stuff. He said, "Not, not, not quite." Again, I won't get into specifics and you know how we go about um, doing our research, but we certainly did our research on the player and. I did not talk to Dan Campbell specifically beforehand, but that as soon as as soon as we signed him, that's the first person I got a text from, and uh, it was pretty cool just to see some of the some of the you know texts you get about a player and, and, and speaks to how they felt about him and, and the type of guy you're acquiring. So you heard him mention several times about the physicality uh, of him and with a couple of the other players here as well that they have signed. And you wonder if that's maybe something they they set out to do. At least he was asked that. I don't know if we really sat there this off season and said, "Okay, hey, look, we've got to be more physical on offense." Um, uh, but yet, that's an aspect that I think we can improve on. And the, and and uh, you know, obviously, Mike being back and healthy that brings a physical element to the receiving core. Jamal Williams brings a physical element to the run game. So. Uh, and, and, and look, I, I think, you know, ultimately, uh, that's the style of team we want to be able to be, is be a, be a tough physical team. One of the other things that will help as well is improving that defensive line, defensive tackle position and such. He uh, had this to say about Saunders and H. Shepard. Colin Saunders reminds me a lot of Hollis Thomas. You know, kind of a big, square-bodied, athletic uh, can move, um, you know, good run stopper, but yet has some has some pass rush ability, sneaky pass rush ability. I think um, the ability to push the pocket inside, um, and, and so I think I think he's going to help us in in that regard. Maybe maybe slightly more athletic than than what we saw with with, with Shy. Um, and then I, I I really think Nathan Shepard is is a similar player to, to David. You know. Big physical run stopper. Um, again, another guy that that uh, probably doesn't doesn't get enough credit in terms of his ability to rush the passer. I think that's an area that he can still improve on. But yet, I think there's some some uh, uh, I think there's something there that, that that hasn't been tapped into yet. When we come back, final segment, I will play his thoughts on the two new defensive backs as well, Lonnie Johnson and Jonathan Abram. 
when we come back on the Sports Hangover in ESPN New Orleans. Join us for the first ever Blue